MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in, second hour of the Lombardi Line here in Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. We are presented by BetMGM, filling in for the guys, myself and Wes Reynolds. Coming up in, what do we got, 30 minutes? Howard Bender is going to join us, go over some season-long player props, including, actually, we uh, debuted a new show on Sunday, Wes, uh, the Football Betting Guide. Mm-hmm. And one of the markets that I discussed on that show was uh, NFL passing yards leader. And uh, there has been a man who has leapt near the top of the odds, Derek Carr, and of course we know about uh, the new addition there, so we'll see what Howard thinks about that and much more as we chat with him in about 30 minutes from now. But we stay with the football vibe. We go to college here, a a pretty fascinating conference as it is still together for now. The Pac-12. Still with 12, yes. Still with 12 as of this point, still in existence as of this point right now. Um, But an interesting one because, of course, we know at the top of, I'll say the top of the conference, um, USC. Lincoln Riley comes over, uh, what the uh, transfer market did for this team, what you're looking at too, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. It does seem like it, and it's a glamour team, right? LA. So a lot mm-hmm. of people like this uh, recognizable brand, the favorite to win the conference at two to one over at BetMGM. And I just have to start as we start at the top of the conference as we usually do with these. Uh, I have to say, I do not think USC is the best team in this conference. Yeah. I think it's pretty clearly Utah and thus creating some value on the Utes, but not surprising as liability is part of futures odds that USC finds itself at the top of this list. No, I'm with you. I think, you know, taking the liability aside, I think Utah is the best team in the Pac-12. Right. And look, 
I know they didn't win the game, but just watch the Rose Bowl. This team went blow for blow with Ohio State, who was explosive as any team offensively in the country. And Utah went wire to wire and went up and down the field. And they return about three quarters of their offensive production. Uh, Cameron rising back at quarterback. You know Utah can always run the ball. They don't have Covey, uh, who is their kind of underneath, you know, slot guy. Also, their best kick returner ran one back in the Rose Bowl. But this team has a lot back. I think they're the best coach team right. in the Pac-12 of Kyle yeah. Whittingham. And this team is always the toughest team because they take on the identity of their coach. You look at Kyle Whittingham on the sidelines, like not many coaches going to beat that dude in a fight. So you look at Utah, they just take that mentality. They always play very good defense. I know that they're not the glamour team. We got Lincoln Riley coming in and Caleb Williams and this team probably will be explosive offensively USC, but I think they've got some concern on defense. You just don't rebuild a defense in one year. You know, Lincoln Riley Mm -hmm. based on what he's produced as an offensive mind in college football is going to get top quarterbacks, right? Is going to get top receivers and top running backs and, you know, all kind of uh, skill position guys, but it takes more than a year. I think to develop a defense, this is not the USC of like the two thousands when Pete Carroll was there, when they had guys that would go on to be first round draft picks. that were like third string linebackers or third string safeties. USC still a little devoid of talent on the defense. And I think it's going to be a work in progress for that to come together. They're going to win games scoring points, but maybe not that many. Right. And that's why, because to me, when I looked at everything, that's what I kept focusing on with USC, because you're, you're rebuilding a team that allowed 31.8 points per game last year. Uh, nearly four and a half yards per carry. You're doing it with transfers. And some of those transfers are pretty good. Shane Lee, uh, Alabama kid, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Gentry from Arizona state. Uh, both of those guys at linebacker, like there are some interesting pieces, but you're retooling your secondary. And uh, you do have to wonder too. I mean, I think it's um, Alex Grinch who's coming over to run the defense yes. who ran some, would you say lackluster units for Oklahoma, right? Yeah. When and, and at there. Ohio state. Uh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, so when you're lo- when you're looking at it from that standpoint, I mean, I do what question, when you're talking about them winning nine plus games, winning this conference, that's what's going to hold you back. You your defense needs to have stops. Not that it's going to be abhorrent, but I do think that's what you ultimately come back to is maybe they can win some shootouts and the offensive talent is yeah. out of this world for this USC team. But when you're talking about the difference between you and a team like Utah, which is going to be strong on both ends has essentially the entire core of their offense back and a really talented defense. That's going to be something that I think ultimately creates the difference between these two. Yeah, I just think, you know, Utah and and Utah is kind of probably chomping at the bit because they're always one of those chip on their shoulder teams, John, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, nobody because we're Utah, nobody ever respects us. Nobody puts us on the elite and all they continue to do is really win big games. Uh, Utah runs that four two five scheme. Now they lost Devin Lloyd to the NFL, also Mm -hmm. lost an Effie Sewell, but they are going to the transfer portal. And that's what's going to be so interesting about college football, how many of these teams are going to be relying on transfers to produce immediately. Utah went to the linebacker uh, for transfer portal. Uh, Mahmoud Diabate from Florida transfers in. You've got Gabe Reed, Kareen Reed, who started, I believe, several games each last season. So this is a team also with Utah. Take the Ohio State Rose Bowl game aside. They don't allow a lot of explosive plays down the field. Yep. You know, they're a team. They, they, they make you beat them. They don't give it to you. They're not necessarily a bend, but don't break. 
break. And I know you look at USC's offense. I go back to Caleb Williams. Also, Travis Dye comes in at running back from Oregon. Uh, Jordan Addison, recent addition this summer, transfers out of Pitt. So, uh, looked like he was going to be playing with Keaton Slovis, who, by the way, is now the Pitt quarterback. But uh, he is going to be playing with Caleb Williams. But, yeah, I, I do like Utah. I think Utah is the best team in that conference. Uh, they would get my futures money. I want to get a little better than 250. You're probably, maybe you'll find three to one out there in the market if somebody's really lopsided on USC. But I think that they should absolutely be the favorite, and I would consider them the best. And, and from a win total standpoint for both of these teams, we start with USC. Uh, if you look at their schedule, it does. it's not the worst schedule in the world from the way it sets up. You do have to go to Utah. Uh, you do get Notre Dame on your schedule, and that's the way you end the year, of course. Uh, you have to go on a road game and a rivalry spot against UCLA. So those are going to be some tough spots. And you, you, you uh, humans and I were talking about this yesterday. Don't just circle September 17th against Fresno State because that's a really good Fresno State team that USC has yeah, to play. And, and they have Jay Kaner back at yep. quarterback. And remember what he did to UCLA last year, just I took mean, a beating and just carved them up late. Not even just UCLA. I point, as we pointed out yesterday, too, remember, West 20-point underdogs going to Oregon mm-hmm. and having a good leading in that game a good chunk, pushing Oregon and ultimately covering and barely losing to the Ducks, too. So this is going to be a tough Fresno State team. You can see maybe a path to the 10 wins there for USC. Uh, but ultimately, when you're talking about really two tough spots against Utah and Notre Dame and they need to go perfect the rest of the way with some tough uh, opponents on the schedule, I would say that when you're looking at this win total and some spots shaded to the over, uh, it's a little t- to me, it's something that I would now invest in at that point. And Utah, on the other hand, yeah. you look at their schedule. We're going to find out a little bit about them right away, I think. Florida, that Florida game, on the, that's a true road game, isn't it, yes. right at the start? So you start the season with a true road game against Florida. Uh, you do get to kind of even out there a little bit. Southern Utah, San Diego State. Who will be good defensively, right. but we'll see. Well, but we say all the time, side. Aztecs all the time talk a big game about their offense in the offseason. Uh, they get the kid from Virginia Tech uh, mm-hmm. as a transfer quarterback, but don't think they're going to be very dynamic offensively. We'll say it that way. On the road, against Arizona State, Oregon State before you take on UCLA and USC in back-to-back weeks. Uh, I mean, outside of the Florida game, which, again, this is a potential playoff team in Utah if the schedule breaks right for them and their results come in, that this could be a team that is into that matchup with USC sitting on one loss, potentially. Yeah, you do have some winnable games on the the road, too, in the Pac-12, I think, for – for uh, Utah, you have a turnover at Washington State with a new staff and uh, you know new schemes on both sides of the ball. You do have to go to Oregon. You have to go to Austin on the 19th. That's never easy. But you have a Colorado team that's in a little bit of a transition. You have Arizona State that's obviously had a lot of off-the-field stuff with some potential recruiting violations and all of that. So a lot of your games in the conference are very winnable. So I will be interested to see that. But uh, Oregon, I think they I was are right. Let's go there. Because... Yeah, they're the, they're the rifle number one favorite I think uh, there there's no real division but if you want to call it the old north division Oregon I think would be the best team but there's a team that I do think has some value and maybe you don't bet them necessarily on the futures market I think what's their price like 12 to 1 but perhaps on the season wins and I usually don't like to do this with the first year coach but I think the Washington Huskies are going to show improvement and they're going to show it immediately. Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. Kalen DeBoer was at Indiana, was the offensive coordinator, was the offensive coordinator at Fresno State when Jeff Tedford was there, went to Indiana and then went back and took the Fresno head coaching job. He now comes in as the head coach. Who is he going to go back with quarterback? Uh, he has uh, Sam Heward, who obviously uh, his father's Damon Heward, Uncle Brock Heward. They were quarterbacks up there. But he's in a battle with a guy, DeBoer, his coach before, and that being one Indiana transfer, Michael Penix Jr., who had his career years when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator. I think Penix in that year had like a 69% completion rate. So 
I have to think that Michael Penix has a little bit of an edge on the job. They return a little bit over 80% of their offense, about 56% on defense. But the Huskies' offense was one of the worst in the nations. They went with Dylan Morris last year. He just never could move the ball and, you know, turned it over at crucial times. But Washington, I think, is a team to really watch. Keep in mind, they don't play USC or Utah during the regular season, so they would only get them in a Pac-12 championship game. But this Washington team, I do think, I'm not as worried, even though they have losses on defense. They usually have a very good defensive line and especially a very good front seven. I think this Huskies team is going to show improvement immediately. And, and you know, Pac-12 at the top, it's a conference of transfer quarterbacks because you mentioned Oregon, what Bo Nix looks like for Oregon, mm-hmm. the, the presumed starter there for the Ducks. Uh, I had my reservations about Nix as a quarterback with Auburn, and I think there's a reason why, right? He was uh, on the transfer market. And this, and is a little, this is a little bit of a different scheme, too. Yeah. Kenny Dillingham, by the way, leaves uh, Florida State to become the offensive coordinator for Dan Lanning, who is the D.C. at Georgia. He now takes the head job up there in Eugene. So, Bo Nix you know are they going to want to you know make him more of a pocket passer are they going to let him run a little bit so this is a little bit of a different system so that's why I don't think Oregon even though they have the most talent and they're the most proven name 15 I don't think that they're one of necessary I don't think that they're necessarily a runaway quote old north division team yep so those are your top uh, teams in this conference at least when it comes to the Pac-12 then you get to the deeper parts after Washington uh, Arizona State which uh, off field last year and has been kind of a nightmare for the Sun Devils Uh, Oregon State Washington State Cal Stanford Colorado Arizona and uh, those last two bringing up the uh, rear with some triple digit odds to win the Pac-12 not much expected out of either one of those uh, teams and st- Cal Cal's always an interesting team because defensively, as we know, they have always been one of the best teams in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. They've always been on a night-to-night basis, more of a challenge. A- well. Arizona played hard under Jed Fish yeah. in the first year. They're down on talent, but you can obviously see they've been getting some money, minus 265 at over two and a half. I think that they're probably going to clear that, but do I want to lay that on a win total? Probably not. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we have plenty left to get to. We continue our conversations. Let's talk with about a division. How about the NFC East? We'll discuss that when we come back and preview what's going on there the Cowboys the favorites and the Eagles seems to be the offseason darling for a lot of betters that's next on the Lombardi line the big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world Western nations like the US and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president and then you have China and help you understand what's happening what it means and why it matters he'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time but the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. It's the Lombardi line here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel and Wes Reynolds filling in for the guys here. Tomorrow, myself and Mike Pritchard will be at the desk. NFC East, the division of discussion now, Wes. And so... We have the Cowboys, who are the favorite to win this division, and it's America's team, whatever. We have the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting division because you have the Cowboys, obviously, who are always fascinating, and Mike McCarthy, yeah, well, he, he is a coach in the National Football League. Uh, you have the Philadelphia Maybe not Eagles. for long. Uh, <laughs> there might be a guy in the uh, Amazon booth on uh, or Amazon studio on Thursday night that we're hearing may right. be interested in that job. Um, also interested in jobs that already have head, you know, head coaches yes. that are either in their first year or second year. Yes. Um, what a great guy. We have the Philadelphia Eagles, who, as I mentioned, are the offseason darling. And I think a lot of people expect much from Philly. I have my reservations about Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I think you saw that down the stretch. And, of course, in that playoff game, we'll get to that momentarily. We have the Commanders. We get Carson Wentz, an 18 that a lot of was expected of. And I got to tell you, Wes, because I kind of want to start at the bottom here. And I don't know how you feel about this. I am really intrigued by the New York Giants. And I think there is actually some upward mobility here for New York if Daniel Jones kind of pans out and shows some improvement and shows some of what he actually did show last year through a brief stretch near the beginning of the year. 
Well, they are getting upgrades, I think, despite the fact that it's the first-time head coach and Brian Dable, who's the other the part OC, of it. who is the OC in Buffalo. But, look, uh, I don't think he hurt Josh Allen's development anyway uh, mm-hmm. up there. I know uh, we have a mutual friend that might disagree with that. but uh, No, I think, just, well, Adam, because you're referring to Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Adam's whole contention for a while was that the reason why Josh, or Josh um, Allen was the way that he was was because of Brian Dable's offense. Mm-hmm. He is a really smart play caller. Yes. And he is going to gear his offense to the strengths of the quarterback that he has. It was a big reason why Josh Allen – and Josh Allen's really good, so let's not do that. But mm-hmm. And I think that Daniel Jones, who remember for a stretch, like Washington, Atlanta, that New Orleans game, really did show some promise. And in a quarterback-friendly scheme with a very good play caller in Dable – I think there is some room here for Daniel Jones with some upgrades around him to be a little bit better here and that the market might be just a tad low on the New York Giants coming into I, a season. I, I agree. And, and look, and, and I think uh, he's going to have to be because this is kind of a little bit of the uh, – I guess if you want to call it Fisher cut bait season mm-hmm. on Daniel Jones, because he's obviously he's had trouble with uh, turnovers, especially fumbles in the past. It hadn't Little helped baby that, hands. Yeah. It hadn't helped that Saquon Barkley has been injured a lot of times. So hopefully for them, he can stay healthy, but they did give him some help, at least a little bit of receiver. Uh, Galladay's back. They drafted the kid Robinson mm-hmm. in the second round out of Kentucky. Slayton is back. Tony was a first-round pick last year. So they do at least potentially have some weapons. Uh, the offensive line, they address, uh, they address getting Evan Neal as a first-round pick. And Andrew and then, Thomas was yeah. really solid last yeah, year. So the line you would think is going to develop. And I just think, and I'll go back to where I started with this, I just think from a coaching standpoint, across the board, the Giants are going to be better coach. You have Brian Dable. You have Mike Kafka, who's on the staff with Andy Reid, was the uh, was the quarterback's coach and an offensive assistant. He takes over as the OC. And also Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator. You know, it kind of went to the end of the line with Baltimore, and I know their defense slipped. A lot of that was injuries, too. They were pulling guys out of the stands, practically, to play defensive back for that team. That's why Harbaugh went for two, if you remember, in the uh, Pittsburgh game on the road there at the formerly known as Heinz field. I don't know what the new name is. I just saw the ketchup bottle coming down yesterday, but anyway, that's why Harbaugh (laughs) went for two because he didn't have enough uh, secondary. So Wink Martindale gets fired. He is now the DC for the New York giants, but I think his track record speaks for itself. I think he is a very good defensive coordinator in this league has been for a long time, has some young talent that they have added on that defensive uh, front, especially Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, who they got as the uh, number five pick uh, also drafted a couple DBs later on, but I'm with you on the giants. And one of the things about the NFC East that I thought was really interesting in terms of division wide, a lot of easy schedules here yeah. in the NFC East. If you look any metrics and I'll ju- I'll just use Warren Sharps because I have it right here in front of me. The projected easiest schedule in the national football league are the New York giants. And then right behind them are the Eagles. And I think the commanders number six and then Dallas Cowboys number 10. And one of the reasons why these schedules I think are projected uh, with so much ease is because look at the two divisions that they play two of the weaker divisions in the NFL. You play the NFC North and the AFC South. So yeah, I think, uh, you know, favorable schedule really for, for both of these teams. So I would lean uh, to the Giants. Now, would you take the Giants on the win total at over seven and a half, or would you want to see a seven? Uh, I, would, I would want to see a seven. Uh, over seven and a half at a plus price, I, I think, is something that still might be worth uh, playing. But I, I also think more so 
if you're talking in the range of like, I think you were, what are we talking? Two twenty, two fifty to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that is because it's going to be wide open at the yeah. bottom for the NFC. Of it's like we know the Rams are going to be there. We know the Bucks are going to be there. I'm high on the Saints. I think that they make it back into the playoffs this year. Somebody's going to get there from the North. I think the Vikings are going to win the division, but. It's going to be open for like those last three spots, that five, six, seven. So really it's open to so many teams out there. And I think the Giants certainly one of them. And obviously the team that might be in front of them, as they mentioned, the offseason darling in the Philadelphia Eagles. So much hinges, though, on Jalen Hurts developing as a passer. If you go from week 11 onward for Jalen Hurts, and actually actually, I'll take you back to week eight, right, that, uh, that weird game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, but from there on, Wes, he has exactly up until week 17, just two games in which he throws for over 200 yards. In the wild card game, he threw for over 200, but that's because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers said, you're not running anything. Right. We're just going to let Jalen Hurts throw and try and, to beat And us. they were behind and early. And they were behind too. early, exactly. And so much hinges on what Jalen Hurts becomes as a passer, and I think when you look at some of the numbers and some of the uh, statistics he put up last year as a passer, that's what gives me some reservation here. There's obviously room for development for a guy like Jalen Hurts, and they clearly went for it in adding to their wide receiving core, and this is a very good roster, and his offensive line is one of the better ones in the National Football League, but so much hinges on that arm and how he mm. develops going into next year, and that's why ultimately I sit back and I still have some pauses to buying into the Eagles like the market is up to this point. R- right. Yeah, and I understand the hype because when you look at the roster on paper, oh, it's awesome. It might be more, it's probably more talented than Dallas is really in the division. You look at what they did just in the receiving core, getting A.J. Brown on that draft day trade from Tennessee. Of course, you have Devontae Smith, who was a first round pick back in 2021. Uh, Jalen Rager probably going to be the odd man out with the addition of A.J. Brown, but Zach Paschal who uh, uh, worked mm-hmm. with Nick Sirianni in Indianapolis, and I think did a decent job for our Indianapolis Colts. He comes, comes in as a backup. Uh, you add some speed. You have Greg Ward. You have uh, Britton Covey, who I mentioned earlier, was the uh, kick returner out of Utah. And we'll see if Devin Allen, the uh, uh, world-class hurdler who got disqualified at the track championships up in Eugene the other night for a false start, uh, if he ends up making the team, he, of course, played at Oregon. But this team's got a lot of weapons. The running back by committee, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell, Ball. Austin Scott. Their so, defense too. The defensive line's one yeah. of the better ones in the NFL as yeah. well. Yep. This team will score. This team will score a lot of points, I think. And I do like Jonathan Gannon as the defensive coordinator. I like who they added. Fletcher Cox comes back to kind of be a mentor to some of these young guys on the front seven, like Jordan Davis. Uh, they get Nicobe Dean, who was a first-round talent, but had some injury concerns, and he goes all the way to the third round. Uh, still got some guys that can make some big plays in the secondary. Big play Slay, that being Darius Slay, uh, Jayski Tard, who comes from. San Francisco. So there's a lot of potential for this team, but I do think based on what we saw on draft day and, and subsequently thereafter, the market is really out front on this team. You've seen the drift mm-hmm. in the division price and the conference odds and the win total. So I hate to really buy at the top of the market, even though I think this team has a lot of potential. Oh, uh, so what do you make of Dallas? Rightful favorite. I would say rightful favorite in the division. Uh, kind of by default. Yes. Win, yeah. Coming off the 12 win season. Um, I, you know, look, when we talk about Dallas, I think when you, when you look at a guy like Mike McCarthy, you question how much he adds on the margins, right? Like coaches with their decisions can add some wins at the margins. You don't know if that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. When total 10 and a half over on a plus price of plus 110, I think that speaks to the division kind of coming a little bit closer to them. 
And I would uh, I would look at Dallas and lean a little bit toward the under because I do think that this is a division that where all these teams are very close to one another in terms of the way they play. And this is going to be a division which I, like the winner is going to win it with like nine, ten games, but they're yeah. going to cannibalize one another. I think. Yeah, and and you also look at that uh, Dallas schedule. I believe very early on they they have the toughest one in the division. By the way, they do get the two games at home, but you get Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Yeah. Coming in, then you got to go on the road to the Giants for a Monday night football game. You get the commanders at home. Then you got to go on the road back to back to the Rams and the Eagles. There is a potential for kind of a shaky start. You would you would think for this team. I mean, I could see this team being three and three, maybe even two and four through the first six games. And you just look at Dallas. There's not really a lot. There's not as much talent there as you would think. Gallup is coming back from an injury. Can CeeDee Lamb be that number one now that Cooper is in Cleveland? You get James Washington from Pittsburgh. Offensive line should be very good. I still think that they'll run the ball pretty well. Uh, especially with Zeke and Pollard. Zeke showed a little bit of like, you know, kind of coming back to what he was. He may, he may never be what he was in his early years of his career, but he was a lot better, I think, and stayed healthy last year. But I just look at this team and it's like, they're not more talented than Philadelphia. So that's why I think that you're seeing Philadelphia get a lot of the run here in this division. And it's popular as we really quickly look at the last team, it's popular to uh, pounce on Carson Wentz after an atrocious final game for the Indianapolis Colts, but he did have a really solid bounce back year after an atrocious 2020, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. There are some value in having a quarterback mm-hmm. in Carson Wentz for the Washington Commanders. The, so the we'll defense see. should still be pretty good. We'll see if yeah. Chase Young is fully healthy coming back to start the year. Yep. All right. We'll come back. Uh, we have plenty left to get to here on the Lombardi line presented by bet MGM. Let's talk some season long player props. Howard Bender joins us next here on LL Eason.com. By the way, make sure you check that out. We got a lot of content up there. Lombardi line here on Visa in the Sports Betting Network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Wes Reynolds alongside. A reminder for all of you, speaking of the Sports Betting Network, that the Visa Summer Special, well, it's almost up. Only 19 bucks to get everything Visa has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today. You're going to get our best bets, including Adam Burke's Daily Major League Baseball best bets, NFL preseason coverage. That's only a few weeks away, by the way. Uh, premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. And if you want the full VEASAN experience, which features the daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, our betting guides, both college and NFL. College coming out soon, NFL soon after that. Cost only 19 bucks to be a subscriber. Sign up now, VEASAN.com slash summer. All right, let's continue our conversation uh, about football. Howard Bender, nice enough to give us some time. Fantasy Alarm, host on SiriusXM Fantasy. Howard, uh, it's good to talk to you again, man. I haven't talked to you for a while. First off, I hope you've been well. Second, I was perusing your Twitter account. I noticed something that uh, we want to get your thoughts on. We were just talking about the NFC East and Jalen Hurts and how everything is on this kid's shoulders to develop as a passer. And I noticed that in your ultimate uh, ultimate fantasy football mock draft, Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. What do you expect of Hurts coming into this year? <laughs> um, you know, I just I see improvement coming on for uh, for Jalen Hurts. First of all, thanks for having me, man. Always a, always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. Um, you know, listen, I think that that what they've got going on there, Nick Sirianni in his second year, the offensive scheme that they've got running there, um, 
you know, it, it lends towards Hertz being showing improvement from year to year. I still, I still think he's a better fantasy quarterback than he is a reality quarterback. But you know, they're giving him great weapons here. You've got AJ Brown now, who's going to be the lead uh, wide receiver. He's got Devontae Smith, who's uh, who's right there with him as well. Um, and they've got a backfield which, listen, if they give Miles Sanders the work, it's going to be able to you know help take some of the pressure. Off of Jalen Hurts, they're going to be able to run a lot, you know, continue to run the RPO. And uh, and obviously also, you know, Dallas Goddard as the tight end is going to give them another uh, good outlet, particularly inside the red zone. So I just see a, a step forward here for Jalen Hurts, year two in this system. Nick Sirianni uh, definitely got his, uh, you know, was cutting his teeth last year a little bit. Uh, as a first-time head coach, so I see uh, I see overall the Eagles improve, and it's a terrible division. Let's face facts. The <laughs> NFC East is absolutely one of the, the trashiest divisions out there, so how could you not expect improvement? So, Howard, you mentioned Jalen Hurts obviously is a good fantasy quarterback, but who is going to be a good betting prop quarterback? And you look, the passing touchdown uh, in terms of the yards and all the markets, the usual suspects up there at the top, of course, uh, Herbert, Brady, Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, and Anybody that you're looking at this year a little bit under the radar that you think can go ahead and go over those numbers and may end up being, if you're betting the prop market, top passing touchdowns or yards guy for this year? You know, I'm actually I'm, I'm kind of eyeballing that passing attack for the Minnesota Vikings. Now that they've yes. got Kevin O'Connell go. uh, over there in Minnesota, right? I mean, he's... You know, he, he was uh, was one of the masterminds that, that worked with Sean McVay. And I listen, I get it. Every guy who takes a pee in the urinal next to Sean McVay obviously is due for a head coaching job. But O'Connell actually does do some nice work. And so as a result of what I expect to see them in the passing uh, realm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously bullish on Justin Jefferson. But what I like here right now, Kirk Cousins, over 31-and-a-half touchdown passes. I really feel like... You know, this is going to be a, a very pass-heavy scheme. Uh, you know, it, it unnerves me a little bit about Dalvin Cook and, and what they were building there. But, you know, all of a sudden now I, I like him. Uh, and, and, you know, you can probably get some decent prop odds uh, on, on the third wide receiver. Like, feeling, feeling. But you can probably get some decent prop odds on the third wide receivers there and either B.C. Johnson or K.J. Osborne to potentially go over their totals uh, for for receiving yards and uh, and you might as well even throw a little Irv Smith into there too. So Minnesota is kind of a place where I'm I'm eyeballing. Uh, really some under-the-radar kind of moves. John, that's music to my ears because I'm very bullish on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, contract year for Kirk Cousins, also with an offensive coach in Kevin O'Connell, who I think uh, him and uh, him and Phillips, uh, Wes Phillips, the offensive coordinator, also comes from the Rams uh, to join him in Minneapolis. A lot less conservative play calling, I think, John, and I think that's what we saw in recent years uh, with the Vikings. You're preaching to the choir because I think Kirk Cousins was very, very underrated in what he did last year. He was absolutely fantastic statistically. Now that that uh, grouch Mike Zimmer's not there, uh, maybe we'll start to play a little bit better football. All right. Uh, so one of the guys, Howard, that we've seen kind of uh, vault up these boards in terms of whether it's total passing touchdowns, lead the league in passing yards, uh, passing touchdowns as well, lead the league there. Derek Carr, and obviously we know why, right? Devontae Adams is the addition. Josh Josh McDaniels is there as a play caller. What do you expect here in terms of a boost, if any, for Carr now that he's got a new weapon and his old running mate at Fresno State and a new play caller in Josh McDaniels? You know, I actually I thought Vegas did a really nice job with the numbers there for Derek Carr. I expect better things from the Raiders. I really do. 
Um, I don't like their offensive line still. I think that's still going to be a little bit of an issue for them. So, you know, when I, when I eyeball props, uh, I'm probably going to, because I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on the Raiders offense this year, especially in that AFC West. I mean, you want to talk about games that are just going to be, you know, 50 or more for, for the, uh, for the game totals. Uh, when those teams start playing each other, it's going to be, you know, crazy. I, I like what we have the potential of for the Raiders, but I'm not ready to, to kind of go all in and bet it. The one prop that I did put a little something on, and uh, it might unnerve some Raider people, but Darren Waller's 850 and a half re- uh, receiving yards. Uh, I found that, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tilting a little bit on the lower side, and I'm, I took the under. Uh, on that, only because Devontae Adams is going to be drawing a significant amount of attention here. And we've seen Josh McDaniels utilize that tight end very well, but he utilizes him even more so inside the red zone than he does between the 20s. Sure, he'll run that seam route every so often, but that's not going to be the bread and butter of this offense. So Waller on the under there for me. All right, let's say in the division then, of course, the new face, Russell Wilson, uh, Broncos, much like any team who adds big additions, especially a quarterback, uh, they're going to be a highly rated team. And I think there's an argument to be made that the, in the grand scheme of things, Broncos may be a little overvalued. What do you make of Russell Wilson in this new system with this new faces, uh, with the new faces around him? 31 and a half with the touchdown prop for the season. If you look at him in terms of most passing touchdowns on the year, he's up there at 16 to one most passing yards. He's up there as well. And I would say this too, Howard, and this depends. You can always skew numbers how you want by certain metrics. Like if you take PFF uh, war, for example, wins above replacement, he's actually gotten worse each of the last three seasons. So what are you expecting out of Russell Wilson? Very bullish on the uh, on the Broncos offense. What I love about what they're doing here is everybody kind of expected Nathaniel Hackett uh, and uh, and Justin Outen to to bring that Packers offense uh, to you know with what they ran in uh, in Green Bay and they were going to run that there. They're catering a lot more to Russell Wilson's needs as a quarterback. And one of the things that you know Russ likes to do or Russ needs to do is he needs to kind of avoid the uh, the, the over the middle. Um, you know, his height is obviously a, a problem with that, and he loves to pepper the sidelines. So um, with him, I like his over on the touchdown passes only because I do think that this division is going to get a little crazy, a little funky. Um, I kind of like if Jerry Judy can, you know, walk out of camp healthy, I like him on the over for his receptions, uh, and I like Cortland Sutton over 900-and-a-half receiving yards because I think what they're going to end up doing is, is Jerry Judy's going to get peppered with those sideline routes a ton, and that's going to op- help open things up in the West Coast system. It's going to open things up downfield more for Cortland Sutton. So I see Sutton taking that deeper action, him being the, you know, the, the guy who, who ends up, you know, you, kinda, you, you, you can kind of compare it to Metcalf and, and Lockett, but from last year when Metcalf was obviously – uh, not best friends with with Russell Wilson. I think you know the uh, in that locket long range realm. I think Cortland Sutton gets the work there. So over on the prop touchdown passes for for Russell Wilson. Over on uh, on Sutton with his receiving yards. Those I'm locking down. It really depends on what the uh, the receptions is that you get for uh, you know if you're going to shop around to different books. 
uh, and find out what receptions are for Jerry Judy. Howard, got about a minute left, but John and I were talking in the first hour about the Indianapolis Colts and that ever-revolving door at the quarterback position. Now Matt Ryan comes in from Atlanta. The numbers on Ryan really weren't that bad for the Falcons uh, last year, considering he had no running game. What do you make of some of his numbers? I believe he is at 25-and-a-half for passing touchdowns. Uh, are you bullish at all on Matt Ryan as the new quarterback in Indianapolis? I do like Matt Ryan as the new quarterback in Indianapolis. It's always tough when you deal with um, his, with his passing touchdowns there, especially when you've got a guy like Jonathan Taylor and you've got such a heavy uh, running scheme that they, that they use there at Indianapolis. Um, so I'm actually I'm not putting down anything on, on Matt Ryan props. I will, however, uh, put money down and have already uh, Michael Pittman over 1,025 and a half receiving yards because I think he's the go-to guy that Matt Ryan has been desperately trying to throw to, uh, you know, since Calvin Ridley's situation and uh, and no more Julio Jones uh, from the Atlanta days. So I kind of like the uh, the Pittman Ryan connection to to really take off. But again, you know, I always got to be careful with the props for the quarterback in a run first scheme. Howard, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, pleasure as always, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Roto, Howard. Roto Buzz guy up on Twitter, Series 6M, where you can find Howard's work. We'll take our break. We'll come back, wrap it up here on Lombardi Live. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can bet, earn BetMGM rewards points at you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into BetMGM reward points that you can use toward dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and value perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last few minutes here on the Lombardi line. Jonathan Von Hobel, West Reynolds, filling in for the guys. I'll be back tomorrow, by the way, with Mike Pritchard. So that'll be a lot of fun talking a little football with Mike. We wrap up. We're in the, uh, as you call them, as many call them, the dog days of summer, mm-hmm. West Reynolds. And this is the reset for Major League Baseball. So we get into the next half of the year. We'll call it the half. Uh, the next part of the year is and head into the home stretch potentially. And you get to reset on some of these betting markets. First of which, so I wanted to bring this up to you and get your thoughts. So as of this point right now over at BetMGM, the odds on favor to win AL MVP has been Shohei Otani. And I don't think there's – the Otani thing is really, really fascinating because I'm very much – look – if, Ota- if you don't think Otani is the MVP, that's fine. I will hear arguments as to why it is Aaron Judge. I will hear arguments, obviously, as to why you would go down the list. Jordan Alvarez, right, has been very, very effective and obviously the third choice at 11-1. What I don't understand with Otani is every time I hear arguments presented against him, his two, we'll call them columns, right, as a hitter and as a pitcher, they're presented separately, right? So you'll hear, hey, man, he's not even in top 10 in, or excuse me, not even top five in some of these batting metrics. He's top 10, though, in a bunch of them. And he's not even top five in some of these pitching metrics, but he's top 10. 
but they're presented as separate arguments when the reason why Hotani is the favorite that he is is because he does both of those things. He is in the top 10, top 12 in multiple pitching and hitting categories. Thus why he is, I think, where he is in terms of the LMVP. Now, odds on favorite, not sure. I don't know how, and I think we have seen Major League Baseball awards voters. uh, We saw this with Mike Trout a few years past tend to look past team record more than Mm -hmm. the other voters in the other sports. Mm -hmm. So that gives Otani some help here. Um, So I'll understand if you think he's overpriced, but I don't understand the weird arguments presented against him because they present everything in separation when in reality, the reason why he's up there is because he does both of those things at the same time. Well, look, even I, as an Aaron judge ticket holder from uh, early in the season at or actually before the season at 20 to one, I can't really make an argument necessarily against Otani. I can't say, Hey, this guy is not deserving of it. I'm going to be interested to see in the second half of the season, how the Angels, who are obviously uh, well out of the race now and, and in right. the wild card and in the AL West for that matter, how they go ahead and treat this. Because Otani, this is officially the last year of his contract. He can go to arbitration for 2023, and then he's a UFA in 2024. So you got to think, okay, this guy is going to command just absolutely stupid money, you know, if, if the Angels want to keep him. And I assume that they do and that they're willing to spend that money. But what do they do with him if they are out of the race and they are going to continue to be out of the race in the second half of the season? Do we see him maybe DHing more and pitching less? Mm-hmm. Or do we see them just continuing to do what they do? Because that's why I was making the argument where it's like, it feels like the guy is going to get something, mm-hmm. whether he's going to get the AL MVP or he's going to get the Cy Young. Cy Young, I think a couple weeks ago, he's 10 or 11 to one. Now you've seen him drift down to about seven to one where McClanahan, the rightful favorite. And then of course, Verlander priced ahead of him. But it feels like Otani is going to get some kind of award, if anything, by the voters, just to kind of rebel against the sentiment, not only giving him what he deserves, but rebelling against the sentiment of the fact that, hey, this guy can't be the face of baseball. You know, he doesn't speak English or for whatever reason. That's basically what a lot of the hot take guys in sports media are saying. But everywhere you go, he's mobbed. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, he's beloved. It doesn't matter. People just love watching this guy do do what he do and be in kind of the modern-day version of Babe Ruth, being that he can hit and he can also pitch and he can do it at an excellent level. You mentioned yeah. top 10 in all these categories. And, well, and look, for yes, the Angels are bad. He's directly contributing to the very few wins that they have been getting since mm-hmm. they have been 24 and 14, right? Mm-hmm. Since they were 10 games above 500. So, again, like, I do think that he probably should be the favorite. Are we talking minus 105 odds on favorite? I yeah. think that is somewhat strong at this point of a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think he should be up there. And I'll, let me ask you this. In terms of, again, focusing on AL, um, is the gap really this big between Otani, Judge, and then the rest of the pack? Jordan Alvarez brought him up. His numbers are absolutely fantastic. Right. I even think you look at Rafael Devers in terms of what he's been able yeah. to do as a hitter, and you can make the very strong argument there. I do think that... I get it. Otani and judge the sample size is larger. Judge have been very good uh, for a very long time. Uh, but I do think when you look at a guy like Gordon Alvarez and the way that he's been getting on base and contributing as a hitter for the Houston, like I, I, I do wonder if that gap is maybe a little too wide there between it, those. You two. know what? It probably is John, but, but I think it, as you can see by the market, it's a two guy race right. with Otani and judge. I think Alvarez should be a little bit shorter. Now he's been out for a couple weeks and I'm going to be interested with the Astros too. And we could tie that in with the AL Cy Young. 
they're going to be so far ahead, even though the Mariners have been red hot and have won, right. what, like 13 in a row they right now? They cut the gap to nine in the Eventually, <laughs> that's going to cool off. Now, they may have enough to stay in that wild card race, but I still don't think that they're catching the Astros no. or putting any pressure on them. So the Astros knowing, hey, we're probably at best going to be the number two seed in the AL. We're probably not going to be able to make up all that ground on the Yankees. Mm -hmm. So do we start, you know, maybe being a little bit more judicious with using a lot of our stars? Do we skip starts for Justin Verlander? Do we have more off days for guys like Alvarez and guys like Bregman and the like in, in the lineup? So I'm going to be interested to see what Dusty does down there in Houston and uh, going to that AL Cy Young. McClanahan, the rightful favorite, but he is at, at his career high in terms of innings usage. So that's why you feel, even though he's the rightful favorite, that he could be a little vulnerable. If I was going down the board, I think you could make a little bit of a case for Dylan C's for the White Sox at 11 to one, because I think the White Sox finally, and we saw it over the weekend, that was a statement series. You hate to overrate any particular yeah. one game or one series because it's a 162 game season, but that was a statement series to go up there and whip up on the twins who are still the leader in the AL central and the white Sox, I think finally starting to hit cease has been tremendous all season. It's been the other guys in the starting rotation that have been well down from their career years last year. Yeah. And I do think like Otani, I think he doesn't pitch enough that he's going to be able to win this award. Yeah. So it, while the numbers have been spectacular and I think he's clear, he's getting better as a pitcher. Um, I don't think that it's viable option for you to bet at like seven one because I think ultimately that's going to hold him back from winning yeah. uh, a Cy Young, even if he, and I should say too, if he doesn't win uh, the MVP. Like there's certainly a universe in which Otani, I think it would be surprising to some, but I think there's a very viable universe in which he doesn't win a, an award, right? Mm -hmm. MVP or Cy Young this year. It very well could be because I think the the thought of that with what you've seen in the small uh, shortening of Otani's price here is that they got to give him something, yeah. you know, because he's the unicorn, as people have called him on this network, uh, because he's had such a good season. It's like they got to give him something. And it might be tough to give him MVP, depending on what judge finishes. If judge is at like 55 or more home runs and the fact this is his contract year and the fact that the Yankees, quite frankly, by a lot of pundits, weren't picked to be the number one team in the American League. You heard a lot of Jays buzz yep. and you heard a lot of Rays buzz. And then all of a sudden the Yankees likely to have, if they continue this pace, the best record in baseball. Well, who's going to get the credit for that? It's one Aaron judge. Uh, and moving on to the national league and especially the MVP, how this has shifted Paul Goldschmidt. Now your odds on favor to bet MGM at minus minus one ten. Uh, he continues to, to produce It will not cool down in any way whatsoever. The second leading hitter in the, um, in major league baseball and way to Rudd's created plus, by the way, a uh, pretty good distance between him and Jordan Alvarez, who leads the entire league there. But Goldschmidt batting 330. Uh, if we're talking about war, one of the best hitters out there, 4.5. Goldschmidt's been incredible for St. Louis. Again, but one of those instances, Wes, where you can understand Goldschmidt being the favorite, but odds on favorite is somewhat strong. Manny Machado deserves a little bit of a dip because he missed some time there for the injury. Pete Alonso up there, too, at 7-1. Seven, uh, seven to one, but you can clearly see the NL MVP. I think there is some more upward mobility for a lot of these guys that are in the middle of the pack here. Uh, but specifically with Goldschmidt, again, I think another little bit of an overvalued favorite at odds. Yeah, odds. he should be the favorite, but he shouldn't be odds Well, on. think about it, too. I mean, you, you can speak to this a little better than I can. We see late pushes from MVP candidates all the time in Major League mm -hmm. Baseball. Like this, where we're at now going forward, if a guy gets hot and he's all the way right. up there, Machado or Pete Alonso gets hot for a good two months, he could win himself the award. That, that's why I think Austin Riley is still very right. much alive at 14-1, even though he got snubbed because he was behind Nolan Arenado for third base uh, in the National League. 
this guy has really been the guy that stepped up for Atlanta, I think, this year. Keep in mind, Acuna just now getting back over the last few weeks and still trying to kind of find his way power-wise. And, uh, you know, of course, Freeman now with the member of the Dodgers, even though I think Matt Olson's been very solid. But it's been Riley that's been the constant. And the Braves are one of the hottest teams in baseball. So I still think that there's more value there. Now, you look at some of the Dodgers. Are they going to split the vote a little bit? You know, Betts will get some support. Turner will get some support. Because I think there's, you know, there's an argument to be made for Turner. But really, the guy kind of just down fifth, sixth choice right now. I think Riley might be the best value. All right. Well, that does it for us here on the Lombardi line. You missed out on any part of our show. Beeson.com is the spot. You can hit those up. For Wes Reynolds, who filled in today, I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. I'll be back tomorrow with Mike Pritchard. And make sure you hit up that website because there's a lot of good content, even though we are in those dog days of summer. What comes up next? Odds on coming up next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.